today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Sin is going to rule over you, and you're going to come to destruction. And God's love, even for Cain, was there long before Cain committed that sin of murdering Abel. And God showed his love. You need to understand, Cain did not stumble into sin. He didn't just accidentally become a victim of circumstances. Oh, I'm sorry, Abel, I didn't mean to drop that rock on your head. It was was a total, no, that was not the case. God told him that his sin was setting a trap for him, and if he didn't gain the upper hand on it, it would destroy him. Today, you'll meet the first human beings to walk the earth and the first humans to sin. Despite God's overwhelming provision, Adam and Eve allowed temptation to enter their hearts and chose to sin, separating themselves forever from their Creator. Their children, too, chose to sin. Cain didn't accidentally kill Abel, after all. Pastor David wants to remind you that sin is always a choice, but it doesn't have to rule your life. You can turn away from your mistakes today and start fresh with God. Now here's Pastor David in Genesis chapter 2 with his continuing study through the book of Genesis. There in verses 18 and verses 21 and 23, God made him a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Are you kidding me? Really? God took a rib out of a man and made a woman. Are you kidding me? I think it's more interesting that he took dirt and made us guys, okay? Which is harder, I don't know. I don't think any of it's harder for God. But again, I look at these things, I say, it sounds bizarre. It sounds totally unlogical to me. But at the same time, beloved, you're not God, I'm not God. And this is the reason God took it. And again, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And isn't it interesting That when man and woman come together in marriage, they're to come together, what, church? As one flesh. You see, God designed it that way from creation. One flesh. God gave Adam just one simple rule. Just one simple rule. Look there in verse 16 of chapter 2. One rule. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may eat Freely. You got a great smorgasbord there, man. Just take whatever you want. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. 
There was only one rule. But you know what the problem was? It was one rule too many. It was one rule too many for Adam and Eve. And we find in Genesis chapter 3, man disobeys God. Man breaks that one rule and his innocence is lost. And because of sin, disobedience and death now enter in and they are the infection of sin now permeates the perfection of creation And the consequence of sin now stains forever the purity of the innocence of man. Man created in innocence, and yet because of his own sin, stained forever. A stain of sin that no launderer's soap could wash away. But only the blood of Jesus could wash away and restore back pure again. And no, we can't blame Eve you know, how nice and easy that would be. It was, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. But it doesn't work that way. Even the apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter five, verse 12, he doesn't speak anything about Eve. He says, therefore, just as through one man, and speaking of Adam in the context of what he's writing there in Romans five, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. You see, through Adam, he becomes, again, that federal head, that that inheritance of sin that's passed down through generation, through generation, through generation. And there's much to be spoken about the virgin birth and why it was Mary who gave birth, not with, again, the assistance of the part of the man. And I know we think, man, no, it's not a genetic thing, but it's very interesting that God chose that it would be through a virgin birth that the Savior would be born, that there would be no sin inherited within him. And he did no sin. He was obedient to the father in every area. So neither was he born in sin, nor did he commit sin, but he was perfect in all of his ways. And beloved, because sin entered into the world there in the garden of Eden, redemption now became necessary. Sin had to be atoned for. And that redemption couldn't be the work of sinful man. Man couldn't buy his way out of it at all. Man needed a savior. And that sets up the stage for the battle of all eternity. Again, that's now taking place there, even there in the garden, because then the Lord declared the end of that battle to the serpent. There in Genesis chapter three, verses 14 through 15, the Lord God said to the serpent who had tempted Eve, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, you shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Much could be said about that, but let's move on. And he, he shall bruise your head, but you shall only bruise his heel. You see, God knew the sin that was committed there. Yes, Adam and Eve, totally culpable in their actions and in their responses. But yet God also knew where the source of that temptation came from. And so then he cursed, again, the curse. But in the midst of that curse was a great promise and a great blessing, the blessing of redemption, the redeemer who would come and literally bruise the head of Satan. Now, Adam 
he tried to cover his sin with his own works. But God knew that that would be totally incomplete and insufficient. And a sacrifice had to be made there even in the garden to cover for Adam and Eve. We see that in verse 21 of chapter 3. For Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. There had to be some animal that died. They don't give up their skin voluntarily, okay? You do understand that. It's not like we're just going to take a little bit. You'll be able to grow it back. No, something died. Something had to be put to death, again, to be able to cover them. Again, that was a foreshadow. That was a type of sacrifice. Again, a type of sacrifice that eventually would be made once for all through the sacrifice of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 declares to it, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Again, as a consequence of sin entering into the world, sin and death, it also soon came and visited Adam and Eve and their family as their eldest son, Cain, murders his brother Abel because of lack of obedience, because of jealousy, because of anger, because of pride, because of a multitude of other sins that had preceded the sin of Cain, the murdering sin of Cain. And yet the Lord God had warned him in advance, just as he does you and I. You know how that is when we get an attitude or direction in our mind and we know, man, that's not of the Lord. The Holy Spirit, again, kind of comes and speaks to us. Man, you're going the wrong way. You're, you're thinking the wrong thought. You're, you're doing the wrong action here. And yet we, we close our ears. We close our eyes. We try to turn the other way. And you see, that's exactly what happened with Cain. The Lord tried to warn him. And there in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord God said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And then here it is. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Cain, be careful. You're going down the wrong path. You're going down the wrong direction, Cain. Cain, if you don't change your heart and your attitude, sin is going to rule over you. And you're going to come to destruction. And God's love, even for Cain, was there long before Cain committed that sin of murdering Abel. And God showed his love. You need to understand, Cain did not stumble into sin. He didn't just accidentally become a victim of circumstances. Oh, I'm sorry, Abel, I didn't mean to drop that rock on your head. It was a total, no, that was not the case. God told him, that his sin was setting a trap for him. And if he didn't gain the upper hand on it, it would destroy him. Look at verse eight. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So that legacy of sin continued. 
Not only Adam and Eve, now it's within their children. Even to the point of descendants, even of Cain, came to that point of even boasting about their wickedness, about how bad they are. One of the close descendants of Cain was a man by the name of Lamech, and he was the first man recorded as having two wives. Maybe they drove him to this. We don't know. That's not the case. Lamech's attitude, Lamech's heart, all that we know of Lamech. Look what it says here about how proud he was, how boasting he was of a murder that he committed down in verse 23 and verse 24 of chapter four. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech. You just see this big guy, listen to my speech, you know, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain is gonna be avenged sevenfold, then let Lamech be avenged 77-fold. Man, you talk about pride. You talk about arrogance. You talk about wickedness. And beloved, that's the direction the world continued to just snowball in. It just grew and it grew. Wickedness prevailing across the land, growing, saturating the hearts and the minds of man. And in the midst of it all, the Lord still, yet in the midst of that, gave Adam and Eve another son by the name of Seth. Look at verse 26. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enos. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. There seemed to be a bit of a revival that started at that point in time. The unfortunate thing, it wasn't a worldwide revival. And so we see in chapter 5, the bloodline of Adam to Noah and Noah's sons, we see in chapter six, man's wickedness continuing to grow there in chapter six. And we see God's preserving plan yet in the midst of it. Look with me real quickly there in chapter six. In verse five through seven, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intent on evil continually. And yet God had a plan. Look down in verse eight. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 13 through 15, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. And he goes on to describe how to make the ark. And then look down at verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him to do. In chapter seven is the great flood. In the midst of that great flood, we read in, or in chapter six, I'm sorry. Uh, we did that. Chapter seven is the great flood where the flood comes. God calls Noah and his family. Look at verse one. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Beloved, one thing that we understand, God always has a plan. Nothing ever surprises him. Yes, even for the stuff that's going on in your life, God has a plan and he has a purpose in the midst of it. For Noah being taken up in the ark, 
Yes, not only do I believe that the earth was created in six 24-hour days, but I also believe that God is going to take his church and rapture us out of here prior to the outpouring of God's wrath on the wickedness of the earth at the end of days. And why I believe that is shown right here also. Not only do I read about it in the New Testament, but I see it laid out for me in the Old Testament, in the Torah, in the books of the law, in the foundation of everything else that we believe. God literally carried Noah above the wrath that he was pouring out on the rest of the world. And I believe it's a great picture of what, again, is going on or what will go on in our lives. The great flood, God's deliverance through it all. Again, how God through those days there on the ark, watched over, cared for, again, in chapter nine. So God blessed Noah and his sons, said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and the fear of you, the dread of you, shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hands. Almost back to the point of like a garden of Eden, a starting again, again. Again, it was the end of one thing, but now it's a new beginning. We see that over and over in the story of God, in his work and move within our lives. We come to the end, the end of things, the end of ourselves, the end of a season, the end of whatever it might be. And we come to those ends and we fret and we worry about the ends. But yet, beloved, I always believe that God has new beginnings. We have the beginning, we have the end, and then we have a new beginning. And we see that over and over and over. Look real quickly here in chapter 10, in the last few moments that we have, the line of Noah, the lineage of Noah, his three sons, Japheth, Ham, and Shem. You wonder how in the world did the world populate after that? Through what we read in chapter 10 and through a lot of other sources, we come to understand that Japheth had seven sons and he traveled towards Europe and also Asia as he went into Europe, again, spreading out in that whole area. In verses 6 through 20, we find that his son Ham had four sons. They continued to populate. They inhabited the area of Southwest Asia and on down into Africa. In verses 21 through 30, we read of Shem and his five sons. They remained there in the Middle East. They're the ancestors of a fellow by the name of Abram. Perhaps you're familiar with the guy Abram. He started out living in Ur of the Chaldees. He's a descendant of Shem. Again, later he moved on down to the land we know as Canaan and what God did there. So as far as the the lineage of Noah's sons, the directions that they went, pretty much we see that not only biblically, but we see that in a lot of other areas in a lot of other ways. The final thing I want to look at is chapter 11. Chapter 11, the Tower of Babel and the whole line of Seth, but in looking at the Tower of Babel, the wickedness of man started growing again. Man became sufficient unto himself. Man began to forget about God. He wanted to become his own God. And in chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, we read these words. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. 
Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. You see, God will have no other gods before him. He won't stand for it. We may get away with it for a time, for a season, but our God is a jealous God. And particularly for those who say, no, God is my savior. Christ is my savior. I love the Lord. He, I want to serve him. And then you know what? If we start backing out of that or if we start allowing other things to come into our lives and suddenly we become self-sufficient, suddenly we begin to forget that God is our supplier. God is our provider. God is our everything. We get to that point as his children. Guess what? God says, okay, you want to supply for yourself? Okay, you go for that. Do you want to take care of yourself? Okay, you go for that. And then he comes back like Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you? God will let you fail. You do understand that, don't you? God will allow you to fail in order that once you hit bottom, you'll look up and see him. He loves you enough for all eternity, to let you even fail at this point and at this time. And we see, even in all that we've seen thus far in the layout of these first 11 chapters, the hand of God directing and leading and guiding. Sinful man, oh yeah, he's there, but we're going to take care of him. Number one, we're going to provide for him redemption. And if he'll call upon my name, he'll be redeemed. But if he continues in rebellion, unfortunately, there is appointed a day of judgment. And all man will stand before that great judge. Will we stand before him as judge or do we stand before him as our loving heavenly father? That's the choice each one of us make. Parents can't make that for children. Talk to today, God has no grandchildren. It's each one of us, our choice, our decision. Lord, I will follow you. And if I get to that point, as I've called out that I want to follow you, I desire to follow you, and yet I turn from following you, guess what? I'll face the consequences of those things, either in this life or the next. Beloved, our God is a gracious and loving God, but he is also a jealous God. He's a righteous and he's a holy God. And he's designed and purposed from creation. From the very beginning, there is a line that's been woven through the book, through the chapters and through the books of his word that speak to us that redemption is on the way. And it came and revealed itself when again, God caused that virgin to have a child. That child grew up to be our Savior, God himself taking upon himself human flesh. We see it from the beginning. It's revealed throughout all of it. And we even know the end story. We know the end story. Are you ready to believe it, though? That's the choice. You know, I find it much easier. I'll close with this. I find it much easier to believe the promises that we find at the end of the book of Revelation when I believe the truth that's been spoken at the beginning of Genesis. Because if my God can do those things, then I can trust him for the end things.
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.